This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Razor Game, I'm Christine Wong. The pandemic has shown companies that innovation can't just be a once in a while fluke or exercise. In order to survive, you have to build it into the DNA of your organization. Joining me on the line today is Professor Ben Bensal, Professor of Technology Management at INSEAD and author of the book Built to Innovate to discuss that and more. Uh, thank you for having me. I'll be very happy to, to talk about my, my new book, Built to Innovate. So what I do, well, I uh, have to say that I, I love my job at INSEAD and uh, I'm pretty much excited about this um, synergy that I can create between the research the consulting and the teaching. So in the research, I work, of course, with companies, but also with the literature and try to develop new concepts, frameworks, tools, which I then get asked to help organizations roll out and apply in their business. And I can see how it works, how it doesn't work. And then that all feeds into the teaching. And the teaching, again, raises new questions that go into the research. So I love this this. Um, complementarity and synergy. Brilliant. And what started your fascination with innovation specifically? Well, I have to say that uh, uh, if I I try to track back where it comes from, uh, after my engineering training in France, uh, I went to to Japan, where I I happen to be right now. But uh, I went to Japan and and spent uh, five years there, uh, first learning the language and then then, uh, going to a, a Japanese university to study management. And there I got really captivated by um, what at the time was called Japanese management. So I got really interested in how Japanese companies were were managing themselves. And I I continued actually uh, in my PhD at MIT, focusing primarily on what we kind of later learned uh, from Japan, which was about production, the lean production system. And then... It's really when I joined INSEAD that I wanted to continue and find out what we could learn from Japan next. And it was in the field of, of, of innovation. And this is where I realized that there are different ways of thinking about innovation. And, and it took me on a, on a journey, now almost 20 years, looking at how firms around the world you know, manage and, uh, uh, in, innovation. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really, really fascinating. Now, you know, uh, in Built Innovate and in general, you have this distinction between innovation and innovating. So tell me a little bit about that. What's the difference? Yes. And actually, this is when I was telling you about this kind of cultural approach to, to innovation, I was already kind of getting a little bit some signs from looking at uh, Asia versus, uh, you, you know, the, 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 the West and mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm. And I, for instance, even in my training, I detected the same thing, is that innovation, if you think of uh, innovation as a, as a noun, uh, it, it tends to be across the board, by the way, uh, across the board, it tends to be very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I walk into a room and say, okay, we're going to learn uh, uh, innovation, people, I sense, uh, uh, you know, anxiety and fear in the room, and I couldn't find out what it was. And it's just that, very often people associate innovation with a product. 
Mm. Or, or, or you know, a breakthrough product, a blockbuster, or a new business model. Uh, but, but they usually associate the word innovation with an outcome, a result. Mm. And when they go to a training on innovation, they have this anticipation that when they go back, their boss is going to ask them to come up with a new innovation, to come up with a new product. And that what creates this uh, this this tension in the room. Mm. But then, when I started to uh, not use the noun, but to use the verb, innovating, or let's learn how to innovate. Are we going to talk about innovating? Then the anxiety kind of disappeared. It was very strange, and I wondered why. And I realized that in fact, when you use the verb innovating, to innovate, people associate it now with a process. They associate that with an action. Okay, let's innovate. That means we're going to take some action. We're going to get involved in some activities. And this is something that can be learned. This is something that you can train people and you can give people tools to learn how to innovate. Mm. Uh, I mean, another way to, to, to look at it also is that I use the metaphor of the iceberg. So if, if innovation mm-hmm. is what you see above the water, the, 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 the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. is the innovation, the, the, you know, the new blockbuster product, the, I, the iPhone of the world. Uh, and, and what you don't see below the water level, and which is the mass of mm-hmm. the iceberg, is innovating, is the collective innovating capabilities of the organization. And if you will, build to innovate is, 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 of course, about innovation, but is much more focused on how do you build this collective capability that is under the water level. Mm-hmm, right. I, I really find that so fascinating that just changing that grammar takes the pressure off, right, of having to come up with a final, you know, something, I guess, concrete, right? You know, it's more about, I guess, learning about the mindset of it and the process Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly what the book is about. It's really about how do you enlist and leverage the capabilities of everyone across the organization. I think this is one of the fundamental points about the book is that uh, everyone can innovate. And I'm sure we're going to come back to the discussion about how you do that. But this is really where it all started. And, and, and just by shifting slightly the, the wording can help liberate people uh, vis-a-vis innovation. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. And I think, you know, another thing that is uh, a bit intimidating about uh, the idea of innovation is also that feeling of constantly having to do it. You know, you can't just, uh, you know, come up with one new thing and then just stop right in business. Right. I don't think right. that's going right. to be particularly useful. Um, you know, so tell me a little bit about that struggle of uh, continuous innovation for organizations. Well, Again, what is really um, something that I observed across the board is that, um, um, and, and again, the, the, this happens also in Asia, in, in, in Western organizations, that um, people don't realize that innovation is everyone's job, mm-hmm. number one, and that innovation can happen everywhere. And what I find is that in many places, people think that you need to uh, have a genius leader or to be a startup to innovate. That's not true. Mm. In, in the research for the book, I found many established, even centuries-old companies able to innovate. And how do they do that? They don't, they don't kind of uh, obsess with uh, finding uh, uh, a huge kind of industry-changing uh, new business model, but they look for small 
important and very often uh, in unexpected places, they look for changes that are small and, and important, but very unexpected places. So, mm. uh, and for this, they rely on, on what I call continuous innovation, innovation mm. of uh, every kind and innovation driven by everyone in the organization. And for this, what you need is to, and this is what the book kind of develops, is you need to create a protected space within the organization, a protected but fully legitimized space where, number one, everyone can innovate. We said that, and, you know, I'll keep repeating that. You can innovate in everything you do, not only in your product and your services, but also in your internal processes. You can innovate in your functions in HR and legal. And innovating, remember the notice, uh, the, the verb, innovating uh, can become a habit. And, 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 and that's why, you know, organizations tend to struggle with innovation because they think that innovation has to come from the, the CEO mm -hmm. or the leaders or from the R&D department. Actually, right. innovation can come from everyone. Right. I mean, I guess it's it's this, the same um, misconception as a concept like leadership, for example. A lot of people assume, oh, you know, leadership only belongs to or, you know, only the boss can lead, which is not true at all. You know, yeah, self-leadership is so, so important. Um, absolutely. And I guess in that frame, self-innovation is also really important, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that I, actually, it's very interesting that you, you, you mentioned that because I, I, I have discovered through my teaching, in particular with MBA students, that a lot of the concepts and tools and processes that I've developed for companies to innovate can be applied to individuals. Yeah. Uh, in in your in your in your private and professional life, actually. So yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And we will be talking a little bit more about that later on as well. But it is time to take a short break. So do stay on with us. I'm speaking to Professor Ben Benson, Professor of Technology Management at INSEAD, uh, and author of the book Built to Innovate, all about innovating and innovation. So do stay tuned to raise your game here on BFM 89.9. Building First World Malaysians. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Listening to Raise Your Game, I'm Christine Wong, and on the line with me today is Professor Ben Bensal. He is the Professor of Technology Management at INSEAD and author of the book Built to Innovate. And we're talking all about innovating and innovation today, uh, you know, as well as sort of some of the learnings from the book. So, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, that distinction between innovation and innovating. We were talking about, you know, continuous innovation, what that actually means for organizations as well. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, the organization and the traits of an organization that is built to innovate. Right. So as a, as a, as a consequence, if we say that uh, organizations have to build this space, you know, where everybody can innovate, you can innovate in everything you do mm -hmm. and innovating becomes a habit, mm -hmm. you have to uh, uh, create it. I mean, this has to be a very concrete, mm -hmm. uh, as I said, legitimized space. Uh, it has to be an organization with its own governance structure, with like, uh, you know, tasks and responsibilities for different kinds of people, processes and its own culture. So what is happening is that um, many organizations, not only in the, in the, in the private sector, but uh, we're living in a, in, in a world where, where, where change is a constant. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not an exception. So this means that uh, organizations and leaders uh, need to be uh, excelling at two 
kind of activities, which seem contradictory, but they have to be excellent at both. One one is to uh, 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 excel at implementing today's strategy, Mm -hmm. making sure that they develop and they design and deliver the products that customers are expecting, you know, at at, at, at high quality, uh, you know, in time and, and, and at the right price. This is this is the job of execution. This is what I call execution. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, these same managers, they have to also excel at imagining the strategy of tomorrow and building mm-hmm. the organization of tomorrow. So they have to excel at rethinking, reimagining, I mean, the products and services that they are delivering today. Uh, uh, imagine the products that nobody has asked, uh, uh, you know, yet before. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the task of innovating. So what I'm saying is that an organization has to concretely build on top of the execution engine. So many organizations have a very, very developed, very well developed and elaborate execution engine, very structured mm-hmm. hierarchically with processes and 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 functions and all that they need to build on in parallel an innovating engine and it means that everyone every employee in the firm has to be spending some time in both engines right so maybe maybe most of their time uh, naturally will be for most people will be in execution engine but they need and this is where the role of leaders and in particular middle managers is important mm-hmm. they need to, to regularly spend some time in what i call the innovating space mm-hmm. uh, uh Maybe, you know, it can be as simple as representing your own department or your own function in some sort of a cross-disciplinary project team. Mm -hmm. Or it could be spending 30 minutes uh, uh, talking or observing a a customer. Mind you, the customer can be internal or external. So this is what I'm talking about, is that everyone in the organization has to be involved in both engines. Mm. And we can elaborate also how to design those engines. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I may um, kind of shorten that idea, it's sort of um, do today, think tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the big difference here is that in the in the in the in the, in the traditional organization, the people who think are the senior leaders, mm-hmm. and the people who do are the frontline people. Right. And what this is saying is basically, when you think about the future, you're missing a lot if you don't leverage the fact that a lot of people on the front line are facing the customers. They know a lot about what is to be there in the future. So this is exactly a good analogy that you're you're using. I mean, in a sense, everybody has to be acting today, but also thinking about the future and not only the senior leaders, but everyone. Yeah, that was exactly what I was about to say, which is I think traditionally those roles are really segregated, right? And the other problem as well is that, you know, if your company is like firefighting all the time, if there are all these, you know, intermittent problems that are coming up every day that you have to deal with and you don't get even a chance to think, you're never going to innovate, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, 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 and again, it comes back to this same notion that if you enlarge the definition, if you say mm-hmm. that innovation can happen in everything you do, I mean, you can see that uh, you can have innovation in HR, you can have innovation in legal department, mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. have innovation in IT. Uh, everybody in the organization has a customer. And innovation always starts with the customer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's about creating value for a customer. So that means that it, it, there's no reason why senior leaders should have, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, be in a better position to understand the customers, whether they're internal or external. So I right. think 
the notion that, of course, senior leaders have their role, but the, 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 this notion that a lot of the new ideas will come from the people who are facing the customer, dealing mm -hmm. with the customer, and I should add the non-customers, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, this is where the ideas will come from. Yeah. So, uh, please don't, don't, don't lose that opportunity of leveraging that capability. Exactly. And I think this is a perfect uh, opportunity now to get to something that I know you're very excited to talk about. Can you share with us a few real world examples of companies that are already doing this? So, I mean, again, uh, the, the, the book has quite a number of examples. Of and uh, I should I should highlight that, uh, of course, it mentions some of the usual suspects, <laughs> yeah, the, the, yes. the companies that are known to be innovative and they're mm -hmm. usually in high tech or entertainment business. Yeah. But the book is much more focused on established companies, uh, long kind of old companies in traditional businesses, in, in, in industries which are not necessarily known for, for, for uh, innovation. So maybe I can give uh, one, one of the nice example is, uh, is Bayer. Bayer, the uh, pharmacology and life sciences company, mm. uh, global company based in, in Germany. So note that Bayer, I mean, quite, uh, you know, uh, long history. Mm -hmm. And this is a company that has a, a rich and long history of scientific achievements through their R&D uh, uh, capability. And yet in, in 2014, they decided to create from scratch an innovating or innovation engine to leverage the capabilities of the 100,000 people working in the company. Mm -hmm. Now, how did they do this? First, they made the whole board responsible for innovation. Okay. Then they selected 80 senior managers across all uh, country, uh, uh, regional countries and all global functions to support the board mm -hmm. as, and they call them like uh, innovation ambassadors. So these 80 senior managers were ambassadors for innovation, supporting the board, and they spend most of their time with middle managers, mm -hmm. explaining to them why innovation is important uh, advocating for innovation, sponsoring, training them in innovation. And then they did something really interesting. They created a formidable uh, capability uh, resource for these uh, middle managers. They created, they trained between, I think it was 2016 and 2020, mm -hmm. they trained a thousand innovation coaches, which they kind of uh, activated locally across the whole organization. Mm -hmm. So this is also important. They invested in the middle managers. And then for the frontline people, Bayer created uh, what is called WeSolve. WeSolve is a digital platform where any employee within Bayer uh, uh, can post, um, you know, a problem they're struggling with and invite input or ideas from anyone else across the whole organization. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and this is very interesting. Uh, I mean, I had a chance actually to, to, to visit the, the, the platform. At any given time, they have about 200 challenges that are posted on the platform. And up to now, 40,000 people have participated in WeSolve. And, mm -hmm. But the most, the most interesting uh, statistic that they showed me, for me, and it was very impressive, is that out of all the solutions, the best solutions that are offered 
through the platform, two-thirds of the solutions come from a department or unit or function other than where the uh, challenge was initiated. Mm. So that shows you that everyone across the organization is participating in innovation. And this mm. is, I mean, to respond to your question, this is a very systematic approach to creating um, this innovating engine. Mm-hmm. So with, you know, three roles, senior leaders have a role, middle managers. A big, big, big surprise for me uh, doing the research was the importance of middle managers mm. and innovation. I mean, they are very over, uh, very often overlooked, and I discovered that without them, innovation get lost. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, the thing is that uh, senior leaders, they're, they are steering the company, and they are facing this very volatile and, and quickly changing environment. Mm-hmm. For, for them, I mean, I- innovation is a no-brainer. They understand. This is, this is an imperative, a necessity, uh, an urgency for them. So no need to convince them. In a very interesting way, frontline people, they also, every day, they're confronting customers, uh, uh, non-customers, and they're understanding, they're, they're hearing the, the pain points, they're hearing the, the unmet needs, the, 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 the silent desires of customers. So they understand the importance of innovation. Actually, they have lots of ideas. This is something that people underestimate. Frontline people have a lot of ideas about innovation. And in, in, a, in a funny way, it is the, the middle managers who are, you know, kind of shielded from this direct pressure from innovation. And on top of it, if you, if you, if, if we all agree, they are very often uh, incentivized and made responsible for execution. Mm-hmm. So it is very important uh, for them to understand the importance uh, of innovation. And I can tell you a lot of the companies that I saw doing very well in innovating invested in, in not only um, uh, explaining, but also training middle managers, but creating an infrastructure that can help them. Because this, the middle managers, they don't necessarily know how to innovate. They, they, so they need to have some, some, some training themselves, but also they don't have the resources. Mm. I mean, they have to execute. So it's very important to provide this, uh, this, this additional resource that they can, uh, they can rely on. Yeah. That is absolutely fascinating. Uh, unfortunately, we uh, don't have uh, any more time, uh, but thank you very much uh, to you for joining us on this conversation and telling us all about uh, Built to Innovate and the whole concept of innovation and innovating. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. It was fun. Great. I'm so glad that you had fun. All right. You've been listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. I've been speaking to Professor Ben Bensal, Professor of Technology Management at INSEAD and author of the book Built to Innovate. If you have missed any of today's show, you can go ahead and listen back to the podcast and you can do that on two platforms. Number one, that would be our app, the BFM app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also head over to our website, bfm.my, listen to our live streams, but also listen to and even download the podcast there as well. This is BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.